Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. We are coming to you from my sumptuous second office on the balcony of my Las Vegas palace. And we are going to be speaking about something that so many business creators are now thinking, boy, if only I'd have had that a year ago, or maybe thinking, I thought I had that. What happened? These are just two of the reasons why I'm so excited about the conversation we're going to be having today with a gentleman named Tobin Lehman. He is going to share with us how small business owners can scale up their business by creating a flexible marketing plan that anticipates change before it occurs. So let me just tell you about mm-hmm. Tobin. He's the founder of New North, an award-winning digital marketing agency dedicated to helping B2B technology firms grow. With over two decades, excuse me, two decades of working with brands like Southern States, Pfizer, Thermo Fisher Scientific, Kimberly Clark, and a host of others, Tobin's earned an industry reputation for taking the mystery out of marketing with clear strategies that earn real results. He currently resides in Frederick, Frederick, Maryland, a town I've been to a few times, very nice place, with his spouse and five children. You can learn more. He's got a very easy to remember website, www.ride.com thetornado.com. And with that, Tobin, come on in. The weather's fine. Wonderful. Thank you, Adam. Great, great intro. Excited to be here and and chat about uh, all this growth and just asking the thought of maybe being in your climate right now. Here's the deal. Um, At the beginning of these episodes, I read off the guest's official bio that they or their agents submit. I mean, our listeners know how this works. And I sometimes read them off in the slightly exaggerated centurion tones so that people recognize the impetus and weight of the power of the bio. And candidly, having read yours out loud, I'm not sure if I'm qualified to be in this conversation. And this is my show. So let's take a quick step. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) I love the confidence. So let's take a quick step back and uh, discover a little bit more about you. I read off the bio, but tell us a bit more Mm -hmm. about your story and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Yeah, let's let's jump in there. That's a great start. So I would consider myself, you know, a little more um, on the side of being uh, the, the receiving of a, a blessing versus having earned a lot of, you know, accolades and all that kind of stuff. I mean, when I came into the the, the, the world, you know, in the professional world, um, after coming out of school, you know, I started working in the digital agency world, uh, advertising outside of DC. Um, the 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 internet was was new ish. I mean we had the first big bubble. Um, this was back in 2000, 2002 time frame. So we had the first big bubble. but the reality was so much of it was now known. we understood all those things. And so I was able as the you know young guy, the tech guy, I have a history of tech, 
Um, in my you know upbringing, my parents were in computers and all that kind of stuff that I was able to really be thrown into what is now the world we know in digital marketing and all the Facebooks and Googles and all this stuff. I mean, none of that really existed when I started. So I really was just able to jump on the front side of this wave that now we all all ride every um, single day, this, this tornado that's moving through all of our lives and all of our businesses. And so I feel just um, really just being blessed to be a part of that process and having to have figured out. So I'm in a place here, you know, New North, our agency and this process. I mean, we we have to figure this stuff out. I mean, we all are business owners and actually New North on a, a side note is actually my fifth business. So I understand um, kind of running businesses. And also I've talked to hundreds of business owners and I love talking business in the biggest sense, operations, strategy, channels, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so really that, that where I got here today is really just being exposed to great business leaders, having the opportunity to work with them. And, you know, whether it's the big, big companies like the Pfizer's or just the small guy trying to go from six to seven figures, it's just been a blessing to be part of that, that journey. And really just being the guy walking this stuff through as people try to figure out what is, what are we going to do with this Facebook thing? You know, 15, 16 years ago. Well, we figured it out and we started moving forward. And now it's the next thing. It's the clubhouse or it's the um, TikTok or whatever it may be, these new social medias, even just how to handle digital ads as things have changed and the cookie-less world and all these buzzwords I could just kind of throw out here. Um, but it's really the place that we live and I live on a daily basis is figuring this stuff out. And I'm hoping today, I'm sure we'll cover a good bit of it. Just bringing that back to say, here's how we do it. Here's how we figure it out. Here's how we handle change. Here's how we manage it. Here's how we get advantage in the world our business, through all these digital channels. And here's the process for doing that. Not just cheap tricks. You know, we can, we can all, you can Google a hundred, you know, cheap tricks for marketing, how to explode your Facebook ads, all this stuff. That, that stuff's so, so timely and so um, short focused, really arming yourself with a process is, is part of that. And so that's a little bit of how I got to, to where I am just being on the front side of all of this as time has gone through the past two decades. Um, and now I find myself kind of in the front of leading a lot of digital change in many organizations. Well, my thing is podcasting. I'm the founder of the Podcast Creators Institute, and I'm the creator of what's known as the Podcast Reach System. And what we hear all the time are folks who are concerned about what type of equipment they need and what type of studio. And, and, yeah. uh, and if they, and they'll go through every single moment of every episode and do seven hours of editing for a 30 minute episode. I'm sitting out here in my balcony, despite my noise cancellation mic, you probably hear there's a weed whacker going on in the background. <laughs> I don't care because because uh, our listener experience is you're tuning in, you're hanging out with a friend and you're bouncing ideas off each other and you're creating things together that neither one of you might necessarily come up with separately simply by the mutual inspiration. That's what mm -hmm. we do. Uh, yeah. Another one is listeners and downloads, listeners and downloads. And all I'm going to say about that is I agree that if you have a podcast, you want people to tune into it. Duh. However, the faster way to get listeners and downloads that can benefit your business is when you treat achieving them as a result rather than a goal. Your right. goal should be something else where a result or a byproduct is now you have all these listeners and downloads. I mean, hell, if, it all, if all was about listeners and downloads, Somebody by now would have come up with a way to sell listeners and downloads. Just like in your experience, they used mm -hmm. to sell Facebook likes. They used to mm -hmm. sell LinkedIn connections. They used to, well, they probably do still sell all this stuff. I'm oh, sure yeah, they do. 
few that have slipped under the TOC. And then they sell scrapers for LinkedIn. And then they sell uh, email lists uh, with, uh, with questionable uh, verification and consent. I mean, all that stuff is out there. And none of that stuff is really going to grow your business. So let's get to the first question here. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be almost Captain Obvious. But I'm going to kind of go in the order that you are asking me to, because I know you have so many points you want to get out. Why is long-term project planning now an outdated marketing strategy? And what are some steps we can take to counteract this once foolproof model? Yeah, no, right. So let me ask you a question. Bring it, bring it interactive. And I, I may get bit, bit in the, you know, the, the leg here with this one. How far, out, have, how far out have you planned your podcast guests? You mean people to be on my podcast? Yep. Yep, I have exactly. I have I have two podcasts currently live, one of which is the show we're on right now, the Business Creators Radio Show. Um, as of when we're having this conversation, uh, we're out five months for okay. my other podcast, which is the Brilliance Plus Passion Project. That's a high volume podcast. We're actually about 30 days out. But you also have to bear in mm-hmm. mind that I'm interviewing 20 to 30 people per week. Oof, yeah. Yes, that's big. So, the, yeah. so there are two there are two different models. Now I have a third podcast that's under development that we're going to be bringing to market shortly called the Podcast Creators Radio Show. Nice. I have a projected lineup of content that stretches out for about five months from the moment we open the doors. There are some blanks to be filled in with certain guests I need to recruit and certain people that may not be ready to be on that show, depending on what category I put them in until such and such a time. But in terms of the section of it, it's going to be monologue. The section of it, it's going to be me interviewing complimentary providers who do things other than what I do, those types of things. We got plenty of it already. Yeah, that's great. So you probably have a lot of content. I mean, I was talking to business owners and different leaders in different places yeah. that would probably be what I'd call evergreen content, right? It's, it's going to be oh, good yeah. whether you listen to it now or later. Right. But in, in the marketing world, part of my example is, you know, if, if something dramatically changes in the podcast space, say uh, FCC comes out and, you know, starts demanding fees for podcasts or something crazy, like your whole industry just changed. So right. you may you may say, well, we need to change our lineup. We need to talk to some FEC, uh, FCC guys. We need to talk to monetization guys. We need to talk to the right kind of content to bring our providers to change our schedule. And that's that's the basic premise. You know, yeah. if you plan too far ahead you're going to be stuck with some kind of plan. So as you make commitments, if you've hired contractors, if you've done things, you know, it's one of those things where you lay out this big plan. It's great till reality hits, right? It's the old uh, Mike Tyson, you know, quote, everyone uh, you know, has a plan until they get punched in the face, right? It's this idea of like, you can't really do long-term planning and marketing anymore because right. things change too quickly. They just change far too quickly yeah. in our space. And in marketing, I mean, it's all perspective, right? We don't have real control. We we put things out there and we get a response. So yeah. to go out there and say, we're going to be doing Facebook ads for the next 12 months is, is ludicrous. Like, no, no one yeah. what are you thinking about that? So long-term planning is, has been dead. But the thing is, if I, you know, I don't think it's a big secret, but there's definitely organizations that still think this way. They're big, oh, yeah. they're monolithic. They're, they're just thinking in these six months, four months, even through COVID. I mean, they're still holding on to budgets till budgets get cut. And they're like, well, I guess we got to do something different. Well, no kidding. Like your whole market just changed, <laughs> right? So yeah. there's a bit there's a bit of that process. And so, you know, I've worked in the agency world and talking to many different clients. There's so many different approaches to this. And so I think we're trying to advocate as an agency and our whole approach and as we think about it, and really many aspects of life, 
we just try to think about the goals, what we want to accomplish, where, where, where our North Star is, so to speak, where we're trying yep. to head. And then we're going to be agile and work through that process to do that. I mean, it's foolish for anyone right now. If you're, agile. You're, if you're, yeah, agile, exactly. So if you lean, lean to, are we doing lean and agile or just agile? Um, it depends. I mean, if you can re- read through some of the book, right, you'll see some of it. I don't, uh-huh. I don't like using those terms. And that's a little, we can get into those things too. I mean, agile and lean and all these things, they're so jargoned to death. I think, I mean, people use them all the time. People, people get agile about their, you know, their salad creation. I mean, you, you can do that. That's fine. But, but I, mean, I, 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 I understand where it goes crazy. I'm a big believer yeah. in lean and agile, but, uh, but not just to use a corporate buzzword uh, right. to actually apply it. I, I, uh, I have a client who's involved in change management. So I'm very familiar with mm-hmm. what lean is, what agile is design thinking and many of the other buzzwords yeah. that have to do with the change management industry and niche and i know there's a distinction between doing it because it's actually enabling you to be able to make these changes that come up especially in our environment versus well let's have a bunch of committees and write an agile plan it'll take three months to write an agile plan (laughs) exactly kidding me so if i may just to briefly actually answer your question just to give you an insight in my thinking um if something came up in the podcasting industry where all of a sudden there was this new thing that was turning it upside down, I have two options uh, that would not disrupt my existing plans. Option one is to add another track to one of my existing shows that focuses on that issue. Right. Option two is to start another show specifically about that issue. I would actually probably lean toward the second simply because mm-hmm. I can optimize that better. Yeah. Yep, exactly it. You, you can they get better metrics. You can kind of follow it. You can do the actual feedback versus trying to muddle it inside of something else you're already trying to do, right? Overcomplicating it. Yeah. Yep, that's exactly it. Yeah. So we, so what, you know, what we've done in, in our process is, you know, we call it rapid thinking and executing. That's, you know, it's, it's basically in a sense what agile is if you get down to a degree, but we've taken agile, which, you know, started obviously with all the lean stuff with you know, the Toyota production method, you know, the whole yep. lean manufacturing side. We've, we've adopted it to a services model, which is which is a whole feed itself because agile services is agile thinking. Um, basically, you're just doing it for, for clients in a service component. And so we've just taken the, the, the mystery out of it, all that mystique around, you know, uh, agile and lean and all this stuff. And just call it rapid thinking and execution. Let's just get clear on what this really is. It's using data to make decisions, try the decision you've made, get feedback on it do it again, right? That's the loop of what we call the RTX framework, rapid thinking and executing framework. And you can really do that in a bigger context with all of your marketing. The problem most people have in marketing is they set it and forget it, right? They like, oh, we've got, we're running Facebook ads or we're doing a newsletter. We've been doing a newsletter for 12 months. Well, have you really analyzed the newsletter? Have you really analyzed the Facebook? Like, have you tried new stuff? Have you tried different pay-per-click? Have you tried different models of going about this marketing? And the answer, they want to say yes, but I think they're paused and they say no because they just think, okay, I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta check the box, right? I gotta get a newsletter. I gotta send an email on a monthly basis. Yep. They just do it and do it and do it. And never look to make it better. Never look to adjust. And that's where people start losing the game because ultimately everything's a, a losing bet in the long run if you don't try to improve it. Let me let me give you an example I've seen way too many times with entrepreneurs making the transition from being solopreneurial to having a leverage organization, whether that's through employees or contractors, virtual assistants, what have you, is Mm -hmm. 
they'll work with some coach or they'll attend some groundbreaking webinar that's only been done a million times before. And they'll roll out of that coaching session or off that webinar. And they'll say, okay, well, I have to build a team. So I'm going to hire a webmaster and a digital marketing agency and a copywriter. And uh, I need somebody to do my Facebook ads. I need somebody to do my Facebook. I need somebody to do my LinkedIn. Uh, I got to have a, uh, I got to have somebody to do my clubhouse. I got to have somebody, mm. you get the picture. So yeah. they run off and they hire 20 people or 20 different agencies because they have this checklist with 20 boxes. They spend a crap ton of money between all those upfront retainers and get confused as hell because these agencies, which partially overlap each other, pull them in different directions. And three mm -hmm. months later, they say, you people all suck. You never made me any money. <laughs> yeah. That one, see, that also to me is an example of uh, lacking intention when it comes mm -hmm. to developing plans. I, yeah. I mean, I've, I've said for years, if, you, you know, if you're solopreneurial and you want to outsource, you can get start with $500 a month. Can you come up with $500 a month? Can you float $1,000 for two months? You get two months of $500. You can up find enough in your business to create space to increase your revenues by at least $10,000 just by the space you're creating for yourself by handing off $1,000 worth of somebody else's time. Yeah. yeah, so, you start, I, I, yeah. so you start at that level. When you start with one person or one agency and you outsource or leverage one piece of the business, optimize that, move on to the next, so on and so on and so forth. That's my mm -hmm. model. Yours may be different. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's a great thing. I, I always look to see, I should be able to gain return on anything you delegate or outsource, right? So if you're not right. gaining return on something, you did something wrong. So if you're paying a thousand bucks a month and it's not triple, quadruple that value back to you, you need to keep working on that. <laughs> like you don't delegate yeah. the next thing. You go back to that thing because I mean you can spend yourself outside of business out of business really quickly if you're not building it correctly and focusing on what the right things you need to delegate out are. Um, and then being able to monitor. Like, you know, most people, you know, delegate things they maybe are told, like you said, through consultants, oh, you got to get this delegated. But I would probably say maybe that isn't something. If you if you're loving, if you love doing your own Facebook posts, but you hate doing your bookkeeping, like my goodness, don't hire an agency, hire a bookkeeper. Um, right, you know, and get better, get better work from that than you would from just you know following some kind of rote plan. They have no idea who you are, and, and every entrepreneur and every business is different. So, yeah, don't don't uh, don't drink the Kool Aid too fast. But yeah. I mean, you make sure you can you growing in revenue. Every delegation should help you grow in revenue. You should be looking at your, you know, your 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 baseline of what your time going in and time coming out of looking at and should should also be increased. If it's not, you're just lining somebody's pockets. Probably the consultants. Yeah. Well, for example, uh, pieces of business I leverage is, uh, you heard me mention all those podcasts I either have or are planning. My role in any podcast is to show up and do the interviews. That's it. Uh, mm -hmm. For the Business Creators Radio Show, the one we're on, I vet applications because they come from individuals and agencies and they're not by my invitation. So I vet them, but it's a, like a five-minute vetting process and I look for three key factors. And I, mm -hmm. and I say yes to like 98% of them. I mean, we just have really good leads, uh, good. just the way it is. Now, uh, it took me years to get that optimized to create the reputation for this show and to establish the relationship with our referring agency partners to get us that level of quality, but it's there. All I do is I show up and do the interviews. That's it. It's all fed to me. Yep. Uh, yep. And then as soon as the interview's done, uh, you and I will probably talk again and under some other modality or on some other topic. 
but I don't know right now when your episode is going to lo- go live. I have somebody that dictates that. I hang yep. out with, I hang out with this cigar shop, and uh, and uh, <laughs> the people are going to laugh at this right now. Um, I walk in there uh, maybe on Wednesday. Uh, these episodes go out on Tuesdays, and uh, this one guy in particular will always say, "I heard your podcast today. I really liked it." My first question to him is, "What do you like about it?" Uh, and he'll tell me. And the reason I ask him is because I don't know what episode it was. Right. Somebody else handles exactly. That. Somebody else handles that. I'm I, if I'm in communication with that guest, it's already gone in a different direction. The episode going yep. live was incidental. Now he's heard me say this, and he still <laughs> does it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So here's another thing too. I don't want to deal with scheduling at all. I pay. I want to say close to two hundred dollars, and it involves two dedicated websites. The sole purpose of all this technology is to, con- is to enable people to have access to me who need it, whether they're paying clients, whether they're guests for my shows or people off the transom who are going to schedule with Adam.com because they heard me somewhere and want to touch base with me. There's all these different ways I'm accessible, but I will not take an unscheduled phone call. I will not mm-hmm. give you your, I will not give you my cell phone number. I will not text with you. You will not text me because those things interrupt me. Right. I pay a lot of money to know that I can have a 14 hour day with 13 different appointments on it. And I can be prepared for those appointments without even knowing what they're about. That's how yeah. fine tuned I've optimized it. These are yeah, things I great. choose to leverage. However, yep. I do my own bookkeeping because I don't know a better way to have a, have a day-to-day thumb on the uh, activities of my business. Maybe yep. someday, uh, soon enough, my business will be big enough that will no longer be feasible. But right now, that gives me priceless intelligence I've used to make key business decisions that have benefited my growth. Yep. I have a CPA to actually follow this stuff. As far as the bookkeeping, I want the numbers right in front of me off my fingers in real time. That gives me a level of information that I'm not going to get by looking at pie charts. So yep. I'm not looking outsource that. So the answer to this is it's different for everybody. Yep, exactly it. And that, but you hit on the key point there too, your last best thing. I mean, with, with any kind of process you're going to do, whether it's marketing or ops, I mean, you're looking at making sure you have the right depth of data to be able to delegate or move that through. I mean, your depth of data you want from bookkeeping is not cohesive or, you know, allowing kind of a, a level of, of delegation there. Like you're more involved with it, but certain aspects don't need to be, right? So the key in delegation is understanding what data matters, what you need to know, and is there accountability to that process? So, I mean, that's that's you know, element in, in the marketing we look at too. I mean, anytime you're going to do marketing, you need to look at what data you really need to know like what is the aspect most ceos most business owners like you don't need the 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 nitty-gritty on you know your uh, cost per click on certain keywords and things like that but you you're tracking something whether it's leads whether it's conversions whether it's um driving certain levels of traffic so you know most people get frustrated with working with an agency or a partner or in that sense when they they feel like they're looking for something but they don't know the process to get to the data they want their they want the money in their pocket but they don't know the different steps and different data points that get to that to be able to make good decisions in that process and that's why you need a process or a good partner to help you walk through what the data means so you can then make better decisions in your processes and delegate success absolutely so let's shift gears here because believe it or not we're almost halfway through already it's so much fun yeah. um now let's get into market fluctuations 
How yep. can market fluctuations that are due to societal events actually help your marketing strategy and sales thrive? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. Um, and, you know, it's getting, it's, you know, the more I talk to people, some people will really, really remember everything that happened from March to April and May last year to yep. people want to forget it as best they can. But, you know, the, the big gut reaction, and I'm speaking from the marketing agency side, various clients, and it was, it was a mixed bag, but the big reaction March, I mean, for here in the East Coast, it was early. March 16th is when we had our shutdown in Maryland. It was pull the marketing budget. That was the big, big thing. We just, uh, the, the world's ending. Let's pull the, pull the plug. Let's pull marketing. Yep. And we, we went, as an agency, we went the other way. We went increase the marketing budget. Let's go after what's going there. We saw the writing on the wall. We said, we pulling out. And sure enough, I think April, there was a bunch of articles about you know, lowest cost per click we've seen in decades on, you know, or years on some of these platforms. And we actually end up getting some new clients in that time. So this idea of market fluctuations and what's going in the market, you, you have to kind of take the, you know, this, the Warren Buffett approach, right? It's like, you know, when, when everyone's kind of going out, you want to maybe think, well, how can I get in? And everyone's getting in. You want to think, well, how can I get out? Um, right. You know, thinking about those different pieces of, of marketing. I mean, being reactive is one of the worst habits to obtain in a marketing perspective you're making you're making investments in the future of your business and putting those pieces out there and so market fluctuations can really if you think about it correctly you think about the long term not the short term in front of your face when a market moves when something changes not to recoil all the way but also maybe not to overextend but make smart adjustments in your marketing and in your budgets to say this is this is happening i mean summer's slow for a lot of b2b space we, you know people take vacations it's always July has always been typically the bottom of the trough going into August. Yep. I mean, there was a vacation. So, you know, this question, do you pull back then? Potentially, you could maybe try something different, you know, experiment in that time. So I think that the idea is, again, long-term planning, bad idea, you know, thinking everything is going to stay the same, bad idea, but just keeping an idea on what's on market fluctuation, what's going to happen in that space. And, you know, the, almost the reality is fluctuation now is just a, a reality. I mean, things keep changing. We have cyber attacks now that are influencing all this stuff. It's freaking people out. And you know, we're in the tech space. We do it a lot with the IT and security and things like that. I mean, that's that's polarizing budgets. People are changing money around, trying to spend more on, on trying to get products. So product providers are spending like crazy right now. So it's becoming more of a more of a swinging market, more of a volatile market where things are happening. So I think as marketers. Ian, you thought they had a plan for the year. No, we need to have a plan for the short term. You need to also have your ear to the track, so to speak, and you know, uh, mind to the world of what's going on in the market, what's happening, because we may be making changes in a week that we weren't really quite ready for now. Agreed. Agreed. Here's another insight I have uh, for you. And this is a little bit of my personal experience. See, as I said, Business Creators Radio Show is a private mastermind experience. It got me mm -hmm. thinking. When this whole bug came in a little over a year ago, I had uh, just put together the outline of the training of the training videos, like all the PowerPoints and the uh, notes and everything for what is now known as the podcast reach system. Back then it was called, uh, it was uh, simply called the training videos associated with the podcast creators Institute. Yes. The reach mm -hmm. system sounds so much better. Thank you to my coach, Captain Jim Palmer. There's your shout out, Jim. Anyway, um, anyway, 
So I'm thinking, oh, so now I'm going to be stuck here at home. All <laughs> right. I will order myself about four boxes of cigars. I'm in Las <laughs> Vegas. Late March means it's sitting outside weather. Yeah. I'm going nice. to be real cozy. And I'm going to have all the time in the world. I'm going to bang out the most legendary training series on how to launch a podcast. Well, wouldn't you know that I have some of the best clients ever and uh, in, my, in my private consulting business, and every single one of them decided that that was going to be the time to get extremely active. Yeah. And in some cases, dust things off the shelves that they just never quite gotten to, thinking if there's ever a time to experiment, now is going to be it because if it because if it wins, I was bold. If it fails, yep. it was COVID. Yep, it's not, exactly. That, that, that's one of my clients said. He he said, "All right, you know, we're going to try this thing. Uh, if it, 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 that's what he said. He said, if it wins, I was bold. If it fails, it was COVID. Yep. And, yep. And so and so, it took me actually almost a year to finish that course. And the reason being is. We ended up shifting gears as a result of changes in the marketplace driven by COVID and some impacts that had on the coaching industry. Candidly, I pulled back on it a little bit because I saw that the timing was going to happen a few months later on because mm-hmm. I was seeing a surge in the availability of podcast guests where there yeah. were many more guests and there were slots to fill. And the pendulum was going to swing toward the hosts. So I wanted to be ready when I felt that pendulum hit. So I got ready and then I held. And then then I renamed it. And then right about that time is when we kicked off Podcast Reach. And it's been very successful so far. I'm very thrilled with it. But it was just a matter matter of taking some calculated risks with timing. Because somebody could have listened to what I just said and thought, why did you wait, man? Could have let a competitor in. I thought yep. of that and I was thinking yeah. and I was thinking I'd learn off that competitor when he didn't figure it out right. Yeah. He was yep. every, every call. There's a silver lining. Go ahead. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You, you've nailed it. I mean, and there's just, I mean, not that it's this simple, but there's typically two kinds of people look at that scenario, right? It's those who think there's an opportunity here. It's a good time to go about it. Or there's those who pull back and say, I, I want to don't go anywhere. There's the, the, the fear freezes them, right? There's not yeah. going to do anything. We don't like it. They're uncertain, but the reality is you're going to do something. You're either going to be sitting and miss it, or you're going to do something and fail. Both, both are, you know, I'd rather do something and fail than, than sit there and do nothing and, you know, yeah. probably fail in, in any case. Cause yeah. I wasn't afraid. Like, that wasn't, that wasn't exactly. fear. That was calculation. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah. those who were fear. So you, you stepped out, you're bold. You did that. And that's the same thing. Like we, I mean, we had the story to tell, right? I mean, so we, we doubled down our marketing in that time and had generated leads and our clients came back to us who did pull their market back and they say, oh, it wasn't as bad as we thought. We said, no kidding. And that's why we, we, we increased our spending and we you gained leads. You should have done that too. But, you know, it's that fear process of not knowing and thinking, you know, if you've been in business long enough, you just realize things come and go. No, I don't think anyone really thought it was the end of the world, just gonna be a blip. So it's just this short-term vision, this lack of this scarcity thought, not this abundant thought. So, I mean, you got the abundant mindset. Just, hey, this is, this is going to end at some point. Let's just ride this thing and see what we can do with it versus just clamming up and closing our eyes and getting to a corner. Like, let's, let's make yeah. something happen with this and how we can make this into an opportunity, not just a threat. There are so many times that I've said, fail early, fail often, say mm-hmm. no to success, and, uh, and trip your way over the finish line because yeah. these are realities of how you grow in business. So yep. you argue 
that we should be celebrating the, the unexpected, celebrating these curveballs as it applies yep. to marketing strategy rather than fearing it. Uh, mm -hmm. I see the conversation naturally going in this direction. So if you could expand upon that, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just like that we talked about. I mean, this this idea that we, you know, have all these different things that present to us, and you know, you have to you have to be okay to fail, right? I mean, we're in a space marketing space that you know, not to say we're we're, we're just in a, a challenging place where we we get asked to spend money and try to get clients, and you know, we can do yesterday's marketing that worked last week, it'll work again. It's the tried and true, that's great, but the tried and true ultimately dies. That's just the truth that doesn't get promoted very much, um, especially for those who do the tried and true. Um, and, and there's times that they go in and out. I mean, there's times where, you know, everything goes, like everything's going digital right now. So where are we going? Well, we're reopening the coffers on the non-digital stuff because there's things that maybe, you know, direct mail is, had a, has a time right now. So it's kind of thinking about where things are going, where they're, where they're at. But if you always think about, you know, staying safe in this, no one, you know, no one hits this big curve in success without a level of risk, right? So you have to take risks in marketing. You have to, we, we kind of say, you know, between 10 to 20% of your budget should be on experimental things, right? They should be something that's completely out of your wheelhouse to learn, to grow, to expand, because, you know, in the, in the reality of the processing of what we do, and we talked about this a little bit, people ultimately look at marketing as like, you know, what kind of revenue did it bring? This, this has a revenue of X, X, you know, cost per lead is this C CPA cost per acquisition. So cost per acquisition on this format is this cost per acquisition here is this. Well, the reality is all the cheap cost acquisition is the uncrowded spaces, right? right. You can get cheap, cheap acquisition on the situation where there's not many competitors, right? It's, it's going to that new market, that new tool. Well, if you don't ever experiment with new tools, new targets, that's why the smart companies are probably, probably half of them are just wasting their time on something like Clubhouse. But kudos to them for giving it a try to see if their cost of acquisition is going to be better, right? They're, they're taking the risk. They're taking the experiment. They're trying it out. They can pull out in three months, six months, whatever, and, and move on, find a new thing. But, you know, like you said, I love that saying, if it, if it, if it works, I was bold. If it, if it fails, it was COVID. You can take the same thing in, into the marketing sense. Like if it works, it was bold. If not, we learned. We learned yeah. it doesn't work. And we've got the data to prove it. And we can, we can build off that and do something different. So that's the process. And I think it's those who fear to do it, fear to jump into those things, always end up being number two. And that's another thing we, we see a lot is everyone saying, well, my competitor over there, they're, they're just doing this. Let's, let's do that too. Great. So I just say you're excited to be number two, number three, maybe at best in your industry. Because uh -huh. if we just copy, if we copy them, that's all we're going to do. They're going to lead the way. They're going to experiment. They're going to do it. They're going to always be number one because you can't get ahead unless you pull out. It's like the, you know, the, the NASCAR when they, they smoke behind each other, they're tailing really nicely, but at some point they got to pull it to the side and make the pass. And you can't do that unless you do something different in your industry and in your operations and something. You can't just keep cloning yourself off the competition. You got to take a risk. Yeah. You know, I've been running into this since podcast reach has been reaching around the country and starting to reach around the world is I get the naysayers and I get the people that are trying to tell me that I'm doing it all wrong so that I can pay them a lot of money to allegedly show them. <laughs> yeah, you get the point. And, mm -hmm. uh, and the question I get have gotten more than once and I, and I'll express it with the, with the tonality that I hear it is, do you know who your customer, do you know who your competitors are? 
And then they start naming, if you heard of so-and-so, if you heard of this person, have you seen their offer? Uh, have you compared your offer to theirs? And I, my response to all that is the same. I say, for the purposes of this conversation, I couldn't care less. I'm only concerned about my competition in as much as I want to monitor their progress to see what is working, what is not working for them, and also what gaps they're leaving behind. Because if I start to see a gap and I start to hear it repeated 15 or 20 times, guess where mm-hmm. I'm going? Yep. That's why, that's why, that's why the podcast re- reach systems become what it is, because we cater to a niche of folks who want to use their podcast as the spearhead for creating a new brand or yep. as the conversation opener to use through direct messaging and social media. It's one of those two things. So our offers center on those two things. Those are the gaps that my competitors leave behind when they go on mm-hmm. about interview influencers, interview influencers, downloads, downloads, listeners. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at, from, I'm, I'm looking at from the place where all the other marketing isn't looking at it. So that's yeah. the gap I kept hearing. And I met, I made that with one of the big objections that folks have to launching podcasts. That being, well, nobody's going to listen to this anyway. Who's, who's going to tune in? So I just shift the whole conversation. And I say that, okay, um, Tobin, you're on my show, right? The Business Creators Radio Show. You're my guest. Yep. So this is an episode that's going to be streaming out. We push it through a whole bunch of different networks. It's on like 50 syndication networks. We even have a blog talk radio channel for it, even though it has its own dedicated website. So we reach a lot of people and I don't reveal my statistics, but let's just say I'm happy with them. Mm-hmm. Of all that, who's my most important listener right now? Mm. Let me say me. Yes. Yep. Because you're the only person who is guaranteed to be here for the entire interview. You're the only person with whom I'm guaranteed some sort of interaction on either side of the record button. Right. Yeah, it's brilliant. So that's where where the REACH system focuses, is about using as your key networking, client attraction, and celebrity expert branding toll. Nothing in there says you have to have a million people listening. Right. So I'm revealing my strategy here on on my podcast i'm revealing how i do this and what it means in fact i hope somebody latches onto this and decides to be interested in investing in it for themselves that's www.reachallcall.com by the way folks but anyway yeah. uh the and this is what i gained from studying my competition their offers and their messaging they were paying short shrift in my view to the people who were concerned that they weren't going to get a lot of people listening. So I looked at all the reasons why that just doesn't freaking matter. Yep, absolutely. And, yeah, then, and, then I, and then, yeah, and then I paired that with shifting the paradigm that getting listeners and downloads should be a result of you pursuing goals, not be the goal itself. Put those two yep. things together, I've created a new market. Yep. And if, and if, yep. somebody, and if somebody else wants to take and run with the same idea, I don't care. There's plenty of room. Yeah, there is. Well, there's plenty of room Because you know what? They'll fill in my gap. I know what I'm going after. And I, and I know where my center of my brilliance and my passion is. And I know the difference I make for my community market and audience. And I'm devoted to that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's, that's exactly it. I mean, there's so much pushing into goal focus. I mean, we love goals. We, we, we do yeah. a ton, ton of goal stuff. But you're right. There's, there's a brilliance to saying, 
we're going to focus on the value as the goal. Subscribers is not the value. I don't listen to podcasts because of the subscriber count, right? right? Just play that, play that out. I don't listen to podcasts because of their, you know, weekly listener thing. I, I want it for the value of the content, right? We, we care less. I mean, reviews are nice, but they're, they're, but again, they're also a fruit of the same thing, the product, not these things. I mean, so investments in the product, investments in the experience, investments in all these things are really where the focus needs to be. I mean, you can get, like I said, as you can hit the thousand Facebook likes package for $9.99, like for what? Like for what? What does it do for you when you spend that money and make your product even better, make your experience better, find your niche in the market, do something that actually has value people actually want. It's you're chasing, you're chasing the wrong thing. Otherwise it's yeah. value. Value creation should be the focus of, of the business, but marketing really should be architecting and communicating that value, right? When you lose track yeah. of the value you're trying to communicate, it's just, it's just wasted dollars. Like you're just trying to be like a, a, a salesman in a sense, like it's just a bad, a bad view of that process trying to just tweak them on something, but people know good value. Like people yeah. bring fine value and then they communicate it. They share it. They find, I found this awesome product. You never heard of it, but it's fantastic. And they tell people about it. I mean, value creation should be and value communication is what marketing really is about. Not just likes and clicks and things like that. Correct. You know, and speaking of what we should do, what's the appropriate thing to do. I have a group of listeners who tune into this podcast to see if they're going to be tuning into the episode where I'm going to drop the F-bomb or I'm going to go off on somebody. <laughs> because in certain circumstances, that's actually part of the strategy to create pattern interrupts that cause people to lean in. Now, mm -hmm. that being said, uh, I don't just go all shock jock for no reason. I do right. bear in mind my guest's avatar as well. Now, my reading of your avatar, when I looked into you, tells me to keep it a little more low-key, just based on mm -hmm. some of the people who are tuning into you and my sense of your persona, because I want to match you to a degree, because I want mm -hmm. you to feel that this interview is a valuable addition to your portfolio. Just like somebody mm -hmm. else with a different mindset might say, oh, yeah, that guy is absolutely freaking whacked. He's my kind mm -hmm. of people. So yeah. it's just a matter. So, so, so part of it is, there's not always a right and wrong answer to every question. And sometimes the only right answer is your answer. Yep. Which is yeah, subject it, to change depending on situations that you discern based on awareness. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that awareness, and we would call that the data collection, right? You've collected experiences over time. You know where success comes. You've made those pieces. You're in that constant cycle of, new experiences come in, you're processing them, layering it in as value into what you're doing and, you know, creating that expertise, creating that knowledge. That's yeah. how you can create that reach network because you've, you've done it enough, you've experienced it. And again, it comes back to the initial challenge. Like you won't ever develop that level of expertise, that level of interest, the next amazing product in a sense, if you don't just do it, <laughs> you don't yeah. just go and do it and fail and, 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 you know, succeed and fail and succeed and fail and fail and fail and, fail and succeed, succeed. So, you have to get out there and keep doing it to learn that level of what works, what doesn't. And I think most companies just are really hesitant to do that in, in areas like marketing for sure, but in other areas too, to realize that they're just not going to innovate unless they you know, break a couple eggs here to, to get out there and build that kind of expertise to know where those pieces are. 
Well, yeah, sometimes to make an omelet, you got to break the eggs, uh, cleaning house, you got to take out the trash. I'm familiar with all the uh, metaphors. Yeah. Now, now, just going back very briefly to that little insight I gave you in terms of me assessing your avatars uh, mm-hmm. to determine the approach I was going to take to this interview. I've been doing this for going on eight years. Mm-hmm. I know what kind of guests I have on my hands within 10 seconds of them logging into the Zoom room or the stream yard, as the case may be, depending on which show it yep. is and how they mm-hmm. say hello to me. I know yep. almost everything about that guest by how they respond <laughs> when I say hello. That's and great. The re- and the rest of it, I glean from reading the application that I receive from them or how they fill out the scheduling form. And mm-hmm. if they provide a link by skimming that link. So in your case, I read your application. I mm-hmm. went to ridethetornado.com. Another pitch for your mm-hmm. domain there, ridethetornado.com. Yeah. Spent four seconds scanning it. And then, I, and then I kept in mind how you responded when I said hello when we logged in. There you go. That told me everything I needed to know. Now, I can't quantify that. I cannot draw a process map around that. That only can happen with experience, real world experience, getting your hands on it, screwing it up a few times. Yep, absolutely. That's exactly it. And that's why you can lead an organization like that. You can dictate a product like this and build it out um, because of that level of experience. And yeah, building that, you're tapping into major soft skill development you've acquired. I mean, how many first hellos have you had, right? That's just an amazing experience to be able to say, you know, you can use that as the cover a book you write one day, you know, what, what I learned from your hello. Um, you know, it's like, you just have that knowledge and expertise. And eventually hey, I'm sure you'll, you'll calculate. Excuse, excuse me. I have a domain to buy. Hold on. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> it's like that, that's just a great, great thing to be able to have and be able to leverage that, but it comes from, it comes from doing right. And that's, that's, you know, we're obviously advocating, you know, you have in that process two people trying to get into podcasting. It's like, you have to get out there. You have to go try these things. You have to have that, that memory, that, that process of going through it. And there's a process to do it. Like, I think people sometimes just feel scared, but you know, people like you, people who, you know, like us, all once you've done it so many times, there's a guide there for you. I mean, just understanding the process you're going to take to do this. It's not like you're just jumping off a cliff. Um, there's people who really know what they're doing. It can, you can trust them to build that, but there's some aspect of just having some confidence and, you know, so Ryder Schneider talks about, but ultimately that idea of what do I need to get from this, having clear view of what you want to accomplish but you really can't go wrong if you're focusing on your product and keeping that message going out there and building, building great brand. I mean, podcasts are amazing and people, I think in certain spaces, just neglect that what they can do with them. Maybe it's a lack of commitment, but some, some challenges are harder to get depending on the people. Exactly. So we have about 10 minutes here before we got to wrap up. So I think there's one really important question that may be on some of our listeners' minds before mm-hmm. we um, before we have you share what you have for our audience today, uh, which I've already shared, but you're going to explain mm-hmm. it. Uh, see, there I go. I'm revealing my mm-hmm. show flow now. See, that's how, that's yeah. how transparent this is. It's a mastermind yeah. experience. Okay, Good. some of our listeners have been with us for almost 50 minutes now. They've been hanging on uh, at least every third word we've said, and they're saying, holy crap, I am not in a good place. What do I do? Because I don't have this flexible marketing plan. I don't have mm-hmm. a framework for anticipating change. I'm going to get hit again the next time there's some sort of emergency. What do I do? Yeah. 
Well, the simple answer is ride differentnado.com, right? Go there, get yeah. the book, get all that stuff. But let me unpack what that is just to give you some, some thoughts. So burn that into your, your mind. Listeners, uh, you know, ride the tornado, you can get on Amazon, all that good stuff. But the, what we talk about in the book, this rapid thinking and executing framework, the idea here, and again, it's what we use in agencies. This is agency grade, you know, quality. This is, this is what dictates, you know, many, many, and has many, many marketing plans over time is this idea of understanding a data process, an assessment process, and execution process. How do you execute and assess all of these activities you're doing? There's resources on the website you can get as well to kind of go through this. But actually, I wrote the book not just for, I wrote it for business owners, right? For business owners, for people who are responsible for marketing, not for marketers. I mean, I don't need to tell a marketer how to do marketing. They know what they're doing um, for the most part. There's some caveats yes. apply, right? You've got podcasting people you've talked to, I'm sure, too. But in the same sense, as, you, as a business owner, I mean, you don't want to be caught in, with this question, which you likely are most times when someone says, hey, are you guys on that new social media platform? Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, what is it? Like, you know, you, this constant barrage of change. Like, have you, are you guys doing this with email automation? Are you doing this? Are you on, are you on Keep or HubSpot or all these uh-huh. you know, flow tools? All this stuff. People keep asking these questions. Well, we get asked these questions a ton. Just like you said, you have that, that hello moment um, when yep. people say hello, you can address it. I, when someone asks me a question about marketing, I know exactly where they are pretty much. I can give them a couple, look at their website and kind of hear what their ask questions are asking me. And I know to what degree, what level they're, they're going through. And so the pain that I've just experienced similar to you in that context is like, I don't want to just answer the question. Like, should we be on marketing automation? The answer is yes. But what I don't want to do is just give you that answer today, right? It's the teach them to fish versus give them a fish. Like I can give you a fish all day long. I want to teach you to fish. Rise of Tornado, the Arctic framework is teaching people how to fish. It's saying, hey, here's how this works from an agency level. This is how we deal with new things that come across the radar next month. There will, there will be a new social platform this month. I almost put it down as fact at this point. This, they come up so quick. They bubble up. They come through. They all like hide under the, the weeds. And all of a sudden, boom, there's a 2 million you know, subscribers to these social apps. And so they just pop up. How do you handle it? That's what the RTX framework really deals with. You don't want to be caught in that place. You don't want to be caught in a place where your team comes to you and says, hey, boss, you know, we've been doing pay-per-click ads for the past year. They've been doing okay, but they just stopped working. Well, it's because you stopped experimenting. That's the, that's the real truth. They stopped doing these, they stopped looking at data, stopped making guesses, going through that process, doing something iterative, something new. And so it's a, it's a cultural initiative, right? It's an ingraining process to say, look, this is how we look at business from this kind of rapid thinking, this, you know, agile, if we throw that word back out there, agile way of thinking to say, look, let's look at the data. Let's do some tried and true stuff. Let's do some experimental stuff with that. And let's keep trying to climb the mountain, not just maintaining what success we've won. We can mine this mine for only so long till it runs out of gold. We got to dig other holes. We got to look at other things to keep trying to keep build that up and be comfortable with that. And if your budget's so tight and so small that you're, you can't do that, I would encourage you to go talk to another department and figure out why you guys aren't profitable enough <laughs> to do that. I mean, you have to be able to kind of think through that. And if it, your business is really small, and you don't have a ton of money, um, I'd still encourage you to do some experimental stuff. And likely you are just experimenting if it's, if it's really small. So that's, that's the process. That's the hope, I guess, in the book for people and just the whole process to say, hey, I want to teach you how to answer that question for yourself in the long run for your business. This is not, it's never going to stop. There's never going to be um, a place where I was like, you know what? Nothing new has come along for a year in marketing. No, it's it's constantly going to change. It's getting worse. I mean, I've been doing this for almost 20 years now. It's getting more and more intense. It's just like, getting more, like we're answering these questions it used to be every you know six months. Now it's every three months. Then it's every month. 
something new, something different, something's changing. There's so many CRMs, so many systems, so many yeah. different things going out there. I just want people to be prepared and ready and have some way of processing this. So you can put it in the system, put it in the process and say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to try it. We're going to experiment. We're look at the data. We're going to give it a whirl for a month. If we get something good, great. If we don't, we tweak it and try it again. And then we just drop it. I mean, I, I get all this, uh, you know, I don't want to say flack, but at least comments from our clients where I go into their system, look at their data and say, drop Twitter, drop Facebook, drop this, drop that. And they say, well, we can't drop Instagram. That's just like the thing. Like, well, either you drop it or you got to get a whole lot better at it because you stink at it. It's right. a total waste of time right now. Like, just drop it. Your kid, like, of your budget, you only got so much money. You're telling me you got budget challenges in your marketing department, but you're spending 1500 bucks on your Instagram every month and it stinks. Kill it. Get rid of it. Like it's not, we can move on this, but your pay-per-click over here is bringing you a lead at 250 and 250 bucks per lead. That's six customers, right? We're just letting slide right. by with that, that dollar value. So that's what the process hopefully gives you that way of thinking about marketing a different way to be able to anticipate change, look at market shifts, all of these things we've kind of wrapped up in the past 50 minutes and yeah. give you that way of like how we plug it in, how we deal with it as, as a leader, as a manager, not just as a marketing person who's, you know, at the computer all day, but someone who's got to make these decisions, that decision process is there. Right. And before I say your domain one last time, so people can go pick up that awesome book that I myself, am going to pick up a copy of and read, because I'm just so excited about the cover of it and the, and the message. Uh, just a couple of thoughts I had on what you just said. Uh, as far as you know, like say, for example, being on social media, I made the strategic decision in my business six months ago that we were shedding everything except LinkedIn and Facebook. Yep. Do you know? The, yeah, I can tell you the reasons why. Um, Instagram, I don't like pictures, so I don't want to. Twitter, there's a bunch of mean jerks on there and their algorithms put stuff trending that's supposed to make me angry. I don't need anger. I need happiness. Hmm. So Twitter's gone. Pinterest yep. never interests me. Gone. There are probably three or four others I forgot I had. Gone, 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 gone. And yep. because in, in the decision process, aside from those little non sequiturs I just gave you, really does come down to the same thing that you said is those things were very far from my intersection and my brilliance and my passion. So I didn't belong there. It was easier mm -hmm. for me to cut bait. And the result of doing that has made me so much more effective in the platforms I've stuck with. Yep. Yeah. And so, my, so my thought is don't be afraid to do that just because they say, oh, well, if you want to appeal to media, you're going to be on Twitter. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, I, I'll no, tell you right. I'll tell you right now. You want to appeal to media. You launch a podcast. Now you have your own media outlet. Now you're media. You are media yeah. instead of chasing media. Let the media yeah. chase you. Yeah. And I mean, wherever you fall on the spectrum, I mean, politically, I mean, that's one of the big challenges is where owned media and earned media um, intersect in these days, right? Yes. I mean, you want to be beholden to your Facebook group? My goodness, no, definitely not. Like you don't want to have all your assets tied up in your Twitter followers. I mean, I think this, this bubble, I hope bursts soon, but just the reality of spending all this investment to an audience you don't control. My goodness, what a bad investment. That's like leasing a, leasing a house you never get the deed for. Right. That's that's just yeah. so, so insane to be able to do that. So, you know, in our space, we don't deal with a lot of that. But I know there's a lot of B2C companies that just have so much value, and so much presence there. And for one day to have Facebook say, you know what, we're suspending your account. You lose a half a million followers. Yikes. Just like that. 
just like just like that, which is part of the reason that I've created something called the Brilliance Plus Passion Project. I have a Facebook group. It's got hundreds of members. It's vibrant, tons of activity in there, great engagement. Uh, I'm doing everything right, and, when, and the results are showing. I made a commitment that I want to open a personal conversation with every single member of that group. So we started a separate podcast that is our conversation opener for that. I've shared this many times already. Uh, it's caused me a high volume of interviews and it's caused me to meet a lot of great people. The undercover reason I'm doing that, aside from opening conversations, is I want there to be a connection with those people outside of the Facebook group. Because if the Facebook group goes away, I still have the connections. Yep, absolutely. I would advocate yeah. that highly. Just whether you give away some kind of content or something to say, look, if you're in this group, I'm so glad you're here, but I want you to be in the next layer, right? You may incentivize it. Like yeah. here's the here's the email club that you get some exclusive stuff in. Like you're, I'm glad you're in the Facebook group, but come here, come over here, come into our owned media zone, sign your email up here. Let's get that that piece there. So we're not beholden to that. Um, that's just going to, that's just, it's just bad planning in a lot of cases to, to just keep all your eggs like that and not, not own it. I mean, owning, owning your content, owning your media is a great thing if you can do it and earn it and make the investment to, to build it. Podcast is a great platform for that. Any kind of long form content to be able to do that. And, you know, the, the, the best, the best and the brightest aren't, you know, in a case thinking, you know, they're thinking about these owned audiences. They're not thinking about these leased audiences where they're stuck. They're, right. they're trying to build their own communities and focus on that. And that's, that's the better long-term plan. Precisely. So we are at the top here. So I'm going to say it one more time, www.ridethetornado.com. This is a book about consciously improving your marketing strategy in the midst of rapid change. You must get this book. It's available on retailers everywhere. I myself uh, will be adding it to my pending reading queue and we'll get through it the next time I have a good three hours off and a good cigar on a nice day, which might be tomorrow. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, so let me just say, Tobin Lehman, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Yeah, awesome. Adam, it's been fun. I hope the listeners enjoy it. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.